Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. So this morning, I want to talk about heavenly realities, heavenly realities. Um, you know, we've briefly touched over this before, but never really gone into depth of depth about the, the matter. But uh, if you've made the decision to follow Jesus, if you've made the decision to trust him with your life, has anybody made that decision? Amen. Awesome. If you've made the decision to trust Jesus with your life, then you want to, um, then we need to be focusing on heavenly realities. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Colossians chapter, uh, chapter three. We'll be in the Passion Translation. I already got it all pulled up for you. If you don't, it's all good. We'll put it on the screen. But uh, Colossians is one of my favorite books. It's written by the Apostle Paul. Two-thirds of the New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. Um, <clears throat> and one cool thing about this is uh, it wasn't cool for him. It's cool for us that we get to, you know, we get to receive on this end of it. But, you know, when Paul wrote the book of Colossians, he was in jail. He was in prison. And I'll be honest, if I'm in prison, I'm not writing a letter to, to you all to encourage you to hold the faith. I'm in prison saying, Mama, Jesus, let me out, though. You know, but Paul, Paul was in, uh, he, he was in prison when he penned the letter to the, um, to the church of Colossia. And, uh, you know, what we, call, what we call books of the Bible, especially in the New Testament, they're letters. They're actually just long letters. And over time... You know, we've added chapters, we've added numbers and verses and, and even footnotes and stuff like that. But ultimately, and if you can look at the New Testament as letters, it might make it seem more real to you. It might sink in a little bit different. Uh, you know, that's one, that's one thing that uh, I thought was faded away until I started working for the post office, you know, because before I'm like, man, nobody really mails letters anymore. And then I get into the post office and, you know, uh, you got it, you know, every mailbox, every three or four mailboxes, the flag's up and I'm picking up a, a handwritten letter. And I love it, actually, when I see a handwritten letter, because it's, you know, at least my generation, we're not, you know, we're not sitting down and pinning a letter like, okay, I'm going to write this to Miss Ashley. Miss Ashley, it was so good to see you, son. The house, the kids, da, da, da. And, um, you know, but the generations before me, they're the ones that are pinning these letters and putting the flags up on the mailbox and leaving them for me to pick up. And they and they deem it as important. You know, there's there's one lady. I, you know, I love her. She's super sweet. Every time I come to her house, she's always got the flag up. And as soon as no matter what she's doing inside, as soon as she sees my car pull up, she gets out there. Lindsay, good morning. I'm like, good morning. So I got some letters I need you to mail out. And I, you know, I'm like, I, I, I know. You know, but I don't say that. I'm just like, oh, you do? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I want to get this over to my daughter and, you know, her, uh, her, uh, her neighbors, da, da, da. And, you know, she'll begin to tell me about it. And she is, she has deemed this as important. Whatever she's wrote, I know, at least for in my heart, whatever she's wrote in this envelope on this letter, it is important to so-and-so. And with Paul, when Paul wrote the book of Colossians, when he wrote that letter, it was important. He wasn't just writing it to, I don't know if he knew this or not, but he wasn't just writing it to the, to the church in Colosseum, but he was writing it to us, Amen. to whoever would read it. And I love it. And I encourage you, you know, as you don't just let this be the only place you hear the word. Don't just let this be the only time you're reading the word, but study the word. Study the word. Somebody say study the word. Study the word. 
we're not studying the word so we can pass a test. The Holy Spirit's not going to come up to you in the, in the middle of the night, wake you up and say, okay, who wrote the book of Thess- uh, Thessalonians? First Thessalonians, second Thessalonians. How many Corinthian books are there? You know, the Holy Spirit's not going to test you on that. But we study. Why? Because uh, you, um, uh, the, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. When illusions, when the devil throws illusions your way, if you know what's real, you can see right through the illusions. If you know what's real, you can see right through the illusions. You know, I can, I can pull up a, a two, I can pull up a $1, a fake $1 bill and be like, hey, this is a real $1 bill. And most of y'all would be able to like, no, that's, that's fake. Why? Because I've held a real $1 bill. I've, I've spent it. I've possessed it before. You know, if you, if you know the truth, then you can see right through the illusions. Amen. And I love this because, you know, if you know the truth, that's right. If you know the truth. And, you know, obviously I, I wrote this down, but understand when Paul was in prison, when hope was absent in his environment, he rediscovered it in his enjoyment of Christ within himself. So the surroundings didn't look ideal because he was in prison when he wrote this. So the surroundings weren't There was no joy in those surroundings. There was no hope within those surroundings. So where did he go to find hope? He searched within himself. Why? Because he lives he moved. We live, we move, we have our being in Jesus. Amen. Jesus is in you. Amen. 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 <clears throat> so in Colossians chapter three, you know, it, you know, this chapter is more dedicated to Christian living, to living like Christ in this world. Amen. Amen. Which is something we need to be doing. Colossians chapter three, verse one in the Passion Translation. Uh, this might be a short message today because we're only doing two verses. Hallelujah. But got plenty of notes for these two verses. Paul says in verse one, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection, too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor and authority. Yes. Somebody say yes. Yes. Feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Will you go back up to verse one, please? I love this. Paul says Christ. His resurrection is your resurrection, too. Last time I checked, none of us went, on, went up to the cross. We didn't shed our blood. We didn't get beaten, whipped, uh, embarrassed, all that. We, no, we wasn't on there. But still, Paul says that what Jesus did, he didn't just do for us, but we were with him as well. He says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. The mirror translation says, see yourself as co-raised with Christ into new life with Christ. Jesus' resurrection is your resurrection too. You know, nobody goes, when you go to a restaurant with, you know, if you've ever been to a restaurant with people and somebody is kind enough, they pay for you, and you're like, oh, thanks so much. Yeah, you know. You know, you never go up to the checkout and then try to pay for the meal after it's already been paid. We don't do that. We, we would never do that because it makes no sense. But, but understand this. When you see Jesus' resurrection as your resurrection, then you will stop trying to pay with your performance what's already been purchased. When you can see that not only did Jesus do what he did, but I, he did it for me, I, and that I, I get the credit for that, that's, that's accommodated on my account, then we will stop trying to use our performance to purchase what he's already paid for. The best way to say it is, you know, because I'm a, I'm a sports guy, uh, 2016, there was, a, there was an athlete by the name of Anderson Verjal. 
Anderson Verishaw. In 2016, he played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You probably heard of him. You ain't got to give him any, any love. And in 2016, Anderson Verishaw, he played 30, yeah, he played 31 games. 31 games before he was traded. Now, eventually, 31 out of the, the regular season of 82 games. Now, the Cleveland Cavaliers ended up going to the playoffs and won the finals. But Anderson Verishaw wasn't on the team. But by the NBA rule and by the NBA law, he was still accredited with the championship. Now, he turned down the ring. He's like, no, nah, you know, I didn't work for it. I don't want it. But on his record, he has won two championships. And one of them he didn't even have to work for. One of them he wasn't even on the team long enough to say he played with them or to, you know, to, to be out there and get the posters and all that. But still, by law, he still gets the win. See, his performance didn't earn him the win. It was the performance of the other team. See, we, we, we get to be in the state of sonship and the state of freedom because of the, the performance of the Father resurrecting us, reconciling us back through his Son and the Spirit living within us. We are living off of the performance of the Trinity. We, we get to benefit off that. So when Paul said Jesus' resurrection is your resurrection too, that, that's what he means. Don't matter if you can read enough chapters or not because what you do, to, what you bring to the table has nothing to do with it. The Father, Son, and uh, Holy Spirit, they weren't set up in heaven like, okay, you know, we're going we're gonna to save their lives. We're going to save humanity, but we got to make sure, we got to make sure they can, uh, they, can, they can pay us back. You know, I remember in school, you know, uh, uh, you know if somebody did something for you, you'd be like, all right, well, you owe me. All right, I got you. I got you. I remember one of my favorite stories, and it's funny because I actually work with the, the, the guy's mom now. And I've never told her story because I don't want her to be embarrassed. But I remember uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I, I was the first time on crutches and I hurt my knee. Um, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I remember how. We ain't going to talk about that. But, anyways, I hurt my knee, diso- all that. And I'm on crutches. And uh, I remember sitting in the lunch uh, in the cafeteria. And I got the teacher let me go before everybody because the hallways would get congested. So I hopped there, finally plopped down on my table. And uh, one of my friends comes in as everybody's coming in. And he's like, hey, man, what you going to do for lunch? I was like, I was like, man, uh, I, I really need to, uh, I want this, this, this. Hey, can you go get it for me? He's like, yeah. So I gave him, you know, my money. He went up there, got it, brought it back. And uh, I'm eating. I was like, hey, bro, where's my change? He's like, oh, man, that's a delivery fee. I'm like, delivery fee? He's like, think of it this way. If I take it now, you don't owe me. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so the next day, did I let him go get me lunch? No, I didn't let him go get me lunch. <laughs> I hopped up there and had one of the, the workers help me and carry the tray and da-da-da. But in his mind, he's like, listen, if I take it now, you don't owe me. You know, in this world, we live in a world where, you know, you do something. Okay, well, you, you have to pay it back. But with the kingdom of God, he has done all the work. He's done all the work. His resurrection is our resurrection, too. As he is, so are we in this world. Amen. So that's what Paul meant when he said his resurrection is our resurrection too. We now dwell in the fellowship with the Father, Son, and Spirit, not because of our daily performance. Mm-hmm. We not, we, we, we're in this circle dance with the Father, Son, and Spirit, not because of our moves, not because of our IQ level, not because of what we think we know or how smart or how evolved we've become over the years. No, we are in this circle. We are in union with God because of what Jesus did. Amen. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. That's what verse one said. Paul said, yearn for all that is above. Now, in the Greek, that word yearn, it means to seek. And seek is translated in our language as desire. 
Somebody say desire. In desire, you can define it as uh, to want for something or someone, to hunger, to thirst, to long for, to crave, to yearn. You remember a few Wednesday nights uh, we talked about that, 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 just that story of me telling about Ms. Zona and how really what she was wanting was to yearn and how God is calling us into a state of yearning for him. Yearning for him. Isn't it interesting that that was weeks ago, and here we are in Colossians 3, verse 1, where Paul says, yearn for all that is above, which is proof that, one, everything in God is connected. Amen. With God, everything is connected. You may not see it now, but you're going to see it later. One of, my, one of my good buddies, he said, you can either pay now or you can pay later with interest. With God, everything's connected. And he desires us to be in a state of yearning. See, if you yearn to be with someone, then, then you count all things as joy. If you yearn to be with someone, you count all things as joy. I remember, this is in the notes, so, but I remember uh, when me and Kelsey first started dating, and uh, she was part of an internship, and, you know, I, you know we, uh, we, we did everything right and all this or whatever, and then finally I'm like, I'm going I'm to ask her, like, yo, you, you, won't be, you, you won't be my girlfriend. You won't be my, you won't be my bae. I didn't say it like that. I was more proper than that. I was like, you want, you want, you want, you want to, you want to be on this. You want, you want to grab this arm. You want to lock arms. You want to be this. You want to be the biscuit to this two piece. You know, like what, <laughs> what, what you want to do, girl? <laughs> you want to be my honey mustard. You know, like <laughs> I keep going. <laughs> you want to be my sweet baby rays. You know, like what's. <laughs> That, that's right <laughs> with the seal on it you know fresh and uh i remember like with the internship that she was in they you know like they weren't supposed to date so i remember going up to pastor craig after she gave me this these this news and i'm like oh. you know on the phone you know i try to be positive get off the phone i remember looking at nick i threw the phone i'm like bump that man i got stuff to do like you know and uh, i go to pastor craig in the in the beginning, that wasn't the rule. Yes, in the beginning, that wasn't the rule. It did get developed. Uh, I'm just giving y'all the cliff notes. But I remember going. <laughs> we were in lockstep with authority. We were in lockstep. But I remember you know, expressing my emotions and, and disgruntled feelings with Nick. And Nick was like, man, just talk to Pastor Craig tomorrow. I'm like, all right, I'm going to talk to Pastor Craig. So I go to school the next morning. And I let him, I was like, hey, PC, can I, like, please, I need to talk to you. I got some questions. He's like, yeah. So we're going to his office and we're talking. And I'm, I'm just laying it out there all, like, how disappointed I am and all this. And he's like, well, he said, is she worth it? And I said, what do you mean is she worth it? Is she worth what? He said, is she worth the wait? And I said, huh? He said, if you love her, then she is worth the wait. And I'm like, huh? He said, well, do you love her? I said, well, Pastor Craig, I feel like I do. He's like, okay, then she's worth the wait. Anything you love, anything you desire is worth the wait. And I'm like, mm. He said, there's countless stories in the Old Testament of people that, have, that, that were in love and yearned. They yearned and waited and waited and waited. And I was like, okay, PC. Okay, okay, I'll pick it up what you're saying. And ultimately, yes, she was. But when it comes to yearning, when we desire, when we desire and we yearn for God, 
then his timing is worth us waiting on his timing. Therefore, if he's promised you something, then we have to be okay, not just okay, but we have to have peace in our heart knowing that, okay, he's not just sitting up there and, you know, like, okay, I'm going to mess with them and I'm going to make it be a year from now, two years. No, no, no. He's sitting up there. Why? Because he's creating the right type of scenario for us. And Romans chapter five is literally Paul said that in the right time he saved us, which meant that he had to scan all of history. He scanned all of history and found the right time to implement Jesus in order for you and me and all of us to receive off that. He's an intentional God. Amen. Amen. But yearning, it means to desire and to desire is to long for or to crave or to hunger. You know, we should be yearning for all that is above, yearning for all that is to above. And honestly, when it comes to this house, we need to move in uh, to the posture in our hearts where we yearn for the Lord to be glorified and advance his kingdom through this ministry. Our posture needs to be where we are yearning, we are desiring, we are hungering for the Lord to be glorified through this ministry. Which means that the small stuff, we don't sweat it. The small stuff, we count it all joy. Well, what about, we, well, this popped up. Or this? Oh, that's nothing. God's going to take care of that. God's going to provide that. Why is God going to provide that? Because he wants to bring people in here that can receive true freedom. Amen? Amen. True freedom. So let me ask you this question. How can you hunger for something that you've never tasted? How can we hunger for something that we've never tasted? Paul said to yearn. Yearn is desire, desire to hunger. How can we hunger for something that we've never tasted unless... His resurrection is our resurrection, too. Unless what he has done, we accept that, okay, he did it, so I, I was with him as well. I was with him in that. Paul said in the book of Corinthians that God, the Father, reconciled the world through Jesus. He was in Jesus reconciling the world. So, what Paul says this in verse 2, he says, Feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm. I love that. Feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm. He didn't say uh, preview. He didn't say take a bite. He didn't say, you know, maybe sample a little bit. You ever been to your favorite restaurant? Yeah, and you're, you're the build up. Oh, man, just driving there. You, you get excited. You're anxious. You're thinking about all you're going to do, all you're going to eat. And you ain't worry about nobody else in the car. You know, when we, whenever that's happened for us, I've told Kelsey, like, hey, kids, your responsibility, because that's only been a couple of times. There's this one, there's this one ice cream shop, uh, shop down in Port Orange, Florida. And she knows if we ever go back to visit Port Orange, Florida, she knows that our kids are your responsibility. And the moment that I get my cup of red velvet ice cream, it's just me and the ice cream. It's just until the, until the cup is done. And I remember the first time we went, I took a bite and I didn't come up for air. I don't remember what happened after that. All I remember is finally when I came up, the cup was empty. The kids were, I don't even know what the kids were doing. I'm surprised that they were still at the table. I'm surprised. I had went off in a moment of time. I was slipped off in a wrinkle of time. It was just me and that glorious, glorious red velvet ice cream. And I was like, so then whenever we would go back, uh, just driving there, I would, I, would, I would speed a little bit more. Why? Because I couldn't wait to get there. You know, the kids would be talking, and I'm not even hearing them because all I could think about is, oh, man. I'm about to feast on this. I didn't go, and because I was so excited and loved it, whenever I went there, I would never be like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to take a little one bite at a time. You know, you know, I'm just going to take one sip and talk. You know, hey, Kenan, how you, you like your stuff, Kels? How, you know, how was your day? No, no, no. I'm feasting. Nothing else matters. 
Paul said that feast on the treasures of the heavenly realm, which means that we are so in, involved or so engrossed with what is going on with the Father, Son, and Spirit that nothing else matters. Not that we ignore our kids, not that we ignore our wife like I did when I eat my red velvet ice cream, but literally that we can ignore the problems of this world to the point that when the problems surface, our, our heart doesn't, our heart doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, get, get unsteady. Our emotions don't get unsteady. We don't waver. We don't waffle in our faith or in our firm persuasion in God. But literally, he says, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm. I love it because the New Living Translation says, think about the things of the heaven, not things of the earth. The mirror says, ponder with persuasion the consequence of your co-inclusion in him. Relocate yourselves mentally. Re I love that line. Relocate yourselves mentally. See, as a five, one of our greatest strengths and one of our greatest sins is we are able to mentally check out. Within a moment of, so I love the fact that when Paul says, relocate yourselves mentally, but where are we supposed to relocate ourselves? We are supposed to relocate ourselves mentally into the promises of God. Into the promises of God. What are you thinking about on the daily? What are you thinking about on the daily? Are you, are you more focused on, you know, what you don't have? Are you more focused on what tomorrow's going to look like? Are you more focused on all the different woes, all the different ups and downs? Or are you focused on, hey, Papa? What's your will for today? Hey, Papa, what's, what, what, what should I be doing? Papa, talk to me. Papa, tell me something. There's times when I'm driving and I'm working, and I'm just like, Lord, Jesus, show me, the, show me the face of the Father again. Show me some more of the face of the Father. Lord, Lord, what is it you want to tell me? What is it you want to teach me? And then watch this. It's, 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 it's one thing to say those things. It's one thing to have that yearning. But then here's where the second part comes to, the other side of the coin have to sit there and wait. See, to run for the Lord is nothing. Running for the Lord is nothing to run for the Lord. You know, it's, oh, I'm trying, trying to get 100, because 99 and a half won't do. It's nothing, to, it's nothing to sing that we love singing. We can clap it up. But nobody sings about, oh, I'm waiting. <laughs> waiting on you, Jesus. Because, oh, I love to wait in the silence. Nobody says that. We don't, we don't sing that. We ain't clapping. We ain't stomping. We ain't shouting over. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait to wait on you. I can't wait to sit in the silence and wonder if that's the teeth, the grinding of my teeth I'm hearing, or is that the chatter of anything else? We don't sing those things. We don't. Why? Because our flesh, just being, if we're being transparent, if we're being humble, open, and, and transparent, we don't like to wait. I mean, as uh, we, you know, you don't see deers using microwave. You don't see the bears using microwave. You don't see the bears using their phone to streamline coffee at, before they get there. That way it's already there and ready. I mean, as soon as we get in the jets, babe, you want some coffee? Yeah, I want some coffee. Pull out my phone. Doo -doo -doo. Why? So we don't have to wait. We go to KFC. There's a line. Oh, don't they know everybody wants chicken? Why we got to wait for the chicken? You know, a little joke we have, and, you know, I don't, it's, it's, it's solely me. I don't know where I came up with that. I've always felt like it ever since I was a little kid. Well, when you go to McDonald's and, you know, they say, okay, well, will you pull forward? I call that timeout. That's timeout. And, you know, I've, uh, it's, it's rubbed off to Kelsey because there's been times where I've called her, and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, ah, I'm over here at McDonald's. They got us in timeout, you know. Every time. Every time. KFC, timeout. <laughs> yes. You know, why? Because we don't like to wait. We love things in an instant. We love things in an instant. 
And here's the thing. God is the God of process. God is the God of process. And I, you know, I remember one of the things they told us when it, when it came to when we was in marriage counseling. You know, they said, well, what do they say? Men are like microwaves. Women are like crop pots. <laughs> and I was like, what? I didn't get it. And over the years, I've discovered that. But here's, here's, uh, here's an even harder reality. The God who is the God of all of angels' armies can create anything at the drop of a hat. Just the words he says can create anything. But at the same time, he moves at the pace of a crop pot sometimes. And in our microwave mentality, it's like, God? God, maybe you didn't hear me. Let me, let me, let me, let me stir this thing up. You know, Pastor Lindsay was talking about stirring up. So I'm just, Lord, I'm, I'm, we're going to encourage you to do what you promised me to do by stirring. And when God's like, no, I'm, I, I've, I'm working on it. You just have to be patient. God is never late. God is never late. A lot of times we're just too early. A lot of times we're just too early. Or a lot of times we're just impatient. A lot of times we're just getting there and waiting like, oh, God, did you, are you, are you, what, what, what's going on? And he's like, no, 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 it's, it's coming. But in the right time is when it's coming. Amen. You know, we used to sing the song, he's on time. Well, okay, well, if he's on time, like, why, how come we haven't seen it? Because his timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. Amen. This ain't in the notes, but I hope you got something. I love this because <clears throat> he said, relocate yourselves mentally. So how do we do that? How do we relocate ourselves mentally? We do it by this, taking a good look of he- at heaven's perspective on every issue so we'll know how to live on the earth. Take a good look on how Papa feels about every issue, and there's no issue that is too small for him. There's no de- I mean, if he gave Noah down to the very cubits, down to the very centimeters on how to build an ark, there is no detail that is too small for him. Amen? There's no detail that's too big for him. There's no problem that's too big for him. There's no problem that's too small for him. See, uh, our country, um, every country has one, but our country, just using this for example, our country has this thing called ambassadors. And the job of an ambassador is to, to get, the, get the marching orders from his, uh, his uppers, his superiors, the president, to get however the president feels, and then go echo the same thing that the president said within that country. Paul calls us as ambassadors. He said if we, put our, if we placed our trust in Jesus, then we are ambassadors for Christ. And your job is not just to relocate yourself mentally, but your job is to not just feast on the treasures of the heavenly realm, but your job literally is to take every issue that Papa, uh, the, how the stance that Papa has on every issue, and then you echo that same stance, those same words, that same amount of empathy, that same amount of patience, that same amount of love, that same heart that he has for all the different things. How does Papa feel about the war in Ukraine? That should, be, that's, that should be the same way we feel. How does Papa feel about gas prices? That's the same way we should feel. How should Papa feel about um, teachers uh, getting armed in order for them to keep themselves safe? That's the same way we should feel. How, should, how, how does Papa feel about the abortion clinics being closed? That's the same way we should feel. See, these type of hot topics are, it does, uh, you know, that's just an example that we should not move to the left we should not move to the right. Amen. There's only one direction we should be reflecting, which is north. True north. Plug. True north. What is true north? True north is the direction that lands you at the heart of God. Amen. Sounds like the intro. 
the direction that lands you at the heart of God. Why? Because Jesus is the only constant. The Father, Son, and Spirit, they're the only constant that does not, they, they, they don't waver. They're not different tomorrow. They're not like, oh, we've come to a new revelation. No. They are the same as they were in the beginning, that they are today, and that they will be tomorrow and forevermore. Don't go, don't lean to the left and do not lean to the right. Jesus. People ask me, what side are you? Are you on the left side? You know, and, and especially this one person I work with. Well, the left always says da da da, and the right da da da. I'm just, I, I don't know where I'm at. And I'm like, I'm on the north side. I want, I want to just speak up and be like, I'm on the north side. I'm on the true north side. I'm on the side that looks like heaven. Because at the end of the day, this, 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 this isn't my home. This isn't your home. I don't know if you knew that. Shocker, spoiler alert. This, this isn't your home. You, you, may have a, you, you may have a guest past here, a guest past, but this, this isn't your home. Your, your true home, it's in God. Amen. It's in the unseen realm. Yeah. It's in the unseen realm. Yeah. And you are the ambassador that was sent here to reflect the same way Papa feels. So do your coworkers know how Papa feels? Well, that's why you've been sent to that job. Oh, that hurts. Does your cousins, the ones that you don't invite because you're like, oh, I don't want them coming over, do they know how Papa feels about certain issues? That's why God has placed his ambassador, a.k.a. you, into that family. That's Does the people at the grocery store that we try to avoid, do they know how Papa feels about certain things? That's why God has put you on that aisle. Amen. See in them. I remember me and Cohen went the other day to get some groceries to cook a meal, and I seen this one coworker, and I'm like, oh, God, I got to practice what I preach. Because I seen them at the other corner, and I was, and I, I, my knee-jerk uh, reaction, I put a foot back because I was about to turn that car real fast. Like, <laughs> Cohen was buckled, so he would have been fine. You know, so, and I'm like, and something stopped me, and I'm like, oh, I got to practice what I preach. So, hey. You know, I didn't do the fake hey, didn't do the hi, you know, you know. Carried on a conversation. Asked them how they were doing. Asked how the family was. Da, da, da. Is that your son? Yes, my son. Da, da. Y'all good? You good? Yeah. Is there anything you No, we're good. Okay, okay. Well, see you when I see you. All right, bye, bye, bye. I'm like, Phew. okay, Lord. Lord, I learned my lesson. Please don't let me learn again, you know? So then yeah, the next aisle I get, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Took a little bit longer because now I'm like, Lord, I've learned my lesson, but in case you feel like I don't, we, you know, just, you know, let it be a little easier next time. But we are ambassadors. We are called to, to echo the heart of the Father. Amen? Amen? Paul told the church in court that as a believer, you have become ambassadors of Christ. So, how, you know, we said uh, when it comes to the hot topics, how does Papa feel? And we should be echoing that. One thing that Paul said in verse 2, he said, fill your thoughts with heavenly realities. Here's the whole, the crux of everything. Fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. This is one of those scriptures that I, I, I want it to be one of our foundational scriptures. That we are filling our thoughts with heavenly realities and not the distractions of the earthly realms. So, understand this. What consumes your mind is your choice. That, that's heavy. That hurts. hits me. But what consumes your mind is your choice. What consumes your mind is your choice. As much as I hate to say it, when I wake up in the morning and I think, oh man, I can't wait to have a cup of coffee. That's because I've chose to put my strength in that cup of coffee. Certain things that trigger our, uh, trigger our emotions or reflect certain memories. We have chosen to dive into that. Well, Lindsay, I, you know, I, I can't help that it's triggering me. Yeah, you, can, you may not be able to help that one instant, but how long you spend there 
That's your choice. Amen. How long you spend in, that, in, in that, uh, that loop, that's your choice. Why? Because who the Son has set free is free indeed. He didn't say, he, the scripture doesn't say, who the Son has set free is free until they're triggered and they have to go back into that loop of regret or shame or bashfulness or insecurities or anxieties or, or pain or hurt or darkness. No, no, no. Jesus makes the darkness tremble. And last time I checked, Jesus lives on the inside of me. So therefore, those, that dark loop that tries to come back over me, I can shut it off in an instant if I choose to. I make it tremble. It doesn't make me tremble. The darkness doesn't make you tremble. You make the darkness tremble. Why? Because Jesus lives in you. The Father, Son, and Spirit, they live in you. Obscurity trembles when you understand who you really are. When you understand who you really are. See, my oldest, Kenan as well, we'll, we'll, do, we'll take Kenan for example. A few times, uh, you know, maybe a month ago, Kelsey told me that, you know, they was having some kind of conversation, and Kenan said, just turn around. I was like, yeah, but my daddy loves me. <laughs> Had nothing to do with what they were talking about. But in his mind, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, all that matters is my father loves me. Amen. Can we have that same devotion that no matter what comes our way, the Father, Son, and Spirit, they are taking care of me and they love me. So therefore, oh, no, 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 I'm not by myself anymore. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not on an island by myself. This anxiety that I'm facing, it's not real. This loneliness is not real. This darkness, uh, darkness, hey, hey, stop. Obscurity, stop. Insecurity, stop. Why? Because the opposite is true. Why? Because my Father loves me. No matter what happens, no matter what comes my way. Lindsay, I don't know what tomorrow looks like. You don't have to know what tomorrow looks like. The one who knows what tomorrow looks like lives inside of me, and he's taking care of that. He's taking care of it. Paul said that we should be focusing on heavenly realities. Trust in the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's that's a heavenly reality. Let's jump ahead in the notes. Let's talk about some heavenly realities. I'm going to give you three. First one is the union. The union that we are in. The perichoresis fellowship between the Father, Son, Spirit, and now you. You are in the, the, the circle dance with the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's a heavenly reality. See, heavenly realities, they point to heaven. They point to the reality, what it's like to be with the Father, Son, and Spirit. They point to Jesus. They are the true northern realities. One heavenly reality, like I said, is the union, the circle dance. If you were taking notes, the circle dance between you, the Father, Son, and Spirit. See, because we're in union with the Father, Son, and Spirit, whatever you face in your daily life, acquaint yourself with the greater reality, which is you are never alone. You are never alone. You're not facing life alone. The Father, Son, and Spirit, they do not do abandonment. The Trinity, God, the Father, he doesn't do abandonment. Lindsay, how do you know? Well, because when Adam and Eve sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, literally the Father could have, could have just left them alone. Well, you know, gave them the instructions, you, you disobeyed, you in time out forever. No. The Bible says that the path was already created for him to, the lineage was already created for him to implement Jesus in the right time in order to redeem all of humanity for what they did. If he didn't care, then he never would have created that lineage for Jesus to come through. If he, ne- if he never would have been, if he would have been like, well, you know, this, you're on your own. I'm not going to send my son. Instead, he's like, no, no, no. In fact, who was the ones that requested for them to be covered up? Not God. Adam. 
Who's the ones embarrassed? Not God. Adam. Man was embarrassed. God was embarrassed by the mistake. He was hurt. He's like, man, oh, man, we're not, we we had this thing going. And now you've broken it. But you know what? I'm going to redeem this. You may have messed up, but I'm going to redeem this. You may be embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. You, you want to be covered up? Fine. I'll cover you up. But it's a type and shadow of what I'm, what I'm going to do later on. It's not just going to cover you up. It's going to totally redeem and wipe away everything. It's not just going to sweep stuff under the rug. No, I'm, I'm going to take care of it all. That's the God we serve. So one heavenly reality, one thing we should be focusing on throughout our days is the fact that we are in union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. You know, those times where you're sitting somewhere and you get lost in thought, that's what Paul means is we should be focused on the heavenly realities. You get lost in thought, but man, the Lord is so good. Let me think about his goodness today. Let me, let me take this time to turn my phone off and think about his goodness. Let me take this time to think about, man, what was, what was Pastor Lindsay said? What was that scripture? And just begin to meditate on that. Meditate on that. Number two, <clears throat> I will say this, you know, when we was talking about the union, the fact that we are never alone. I, I love this. I wrote this down because in, my, in my, uh, my fake rap battle mind, I was like, oh, that's so, so good. But the Father, Son, and Spirit, they, are, they you know, in this world, uh, the term is, you know, when you have a best friend, oh, I got your sits. You know, if you don't know, that means I got your back. The, the Father, Son, and Spirit, they don't just have our sits. They have our three sits. And I was like, oh, three sits there. You know, all the cows and roosters, they were loving it up when I was, when I, when I came that. I was like, God, all right, all right. Even the one peacock was like, good job, Lindsay. Yes, there's a peacock on my route. We could talk about that later. But number two, another heavenly reality is we are not sinners saved by grace. Mm. You as a sinner saved by grace for a blip in time. To say, I am a sinner saved by grace, which means you are saying, currently in this moment, I am a sinner. The grace of God is saving me, but I'm still a sinner. No, no, no. You have been redeemed. We just read his resurrection as your resurrection. Jesus is not a sinner saved by grace. If he is not a sinner saved by grace, you are not a sinner saved by grace. The scripture literally says, as he is, so are you in this world. In this world. So as he is in heaven, the state that he is in heaven, which is forgiven, redeemed, healed, whole, and loved, beloved, so are you in this world. Amen. Now, this is, this is one of those where it's like, uh, I don't know, because we've sung songs about, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace. We, we've wrote books on this. We've wrote hymnals. We've made denominations based off of that line, but ultimately... You as a sinner saved by grace for a blip in time, for a split moment, for a split second. And then you were saved. And then you were redeemed. Then you were blood washed, blood bought, and sanctified and, and made whole by what he did at the cross. When you look in the mirror, you don't see a sinner saved by grace. I see a son of God. When you look in the mirror, ladies, you see a daughter of God. Men, when you look in the mirror, you see a son of God. When the, in Luke 15, when the father runs to his son and, and forgives him, he doesn't say, okay, you're a sinner, but, you're, but you are, you're being forgiven by my love. No. My son is home again. Instantly, the father recognized him as back into a state of wholeness. You are in a state of wholeness. And, the, and when the devil tries to trick you and convince you otherwise, that's the devil. That's not the father. 
That's the spirit of religion. That's not the father. And the spirit of religion is slick, too. Oh, man. Spirit of religion is real slick. Spirit of religion is real slick. The devil's real slick. You know, we make, the Bible says, make your prayer requests known to God. Well, guess what? You know who else hears those prayer requests? Oh, yeah. And he's taking notes. He's like, oh, man, if that's what it takes to get them out of the wheel, we, we can make that happen. I remember our uh, third year in Bible college. Pastor Craig tells the story because, you know, um, <laughs> there were several people that were, um, that were um, coupled up. And if not uncoupled up, they were interested. And I remember, you know, he begins to tell the story about how there's this, uh, there's this person with a classmate of his at Lee, Lee University. And Pastor Craig tells him that he was one of the, one of the most anointed men that he ever, you know, had known. God could sing, could play, do all these different things. And, you know, I committed to, uh, he, had, he had made this checklist between him and God in this prayer time. And said, you know, God, when it comes to a significant other, this is what I want. I want, I want this, 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 this. And the first, the first time that that prayer list comes to life, he instantly was like, oh, that's God. Instead of checking, instead of running it by, he's like, Phew. And, it, and later on, he found out that it wasn't God. It was the opposite of that. See, focusing on the heavenly reality, we understand and yearn, okay, okay, Lord, I'm focusing on you so much that when things come my way, okay, am I, am I checking with you? Is this, Lord, is this you? It's, it's just a quick 30-second question. Not even 30 seconds. Lord, is, is this you? Lord, Lord, is that you? Oh, man. Okay, Lord. Okay. Or, oh, Lord, I want you. Something happened yesterday at work, and I was like, Lord, is that you? Man, okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you, God. Man, you're so good. And then there's sometimes I'm like, oh, Lord, that, that, that can't be you. I don't know what that is. Let me move on. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. But understand, focusing on a heavenly reality means that we are so consumed with, okay, Lord, all checks and balances, they come through you. They start with you and they end with you. We're not sinners saved by grace, but for a split moment in time we were, but now we are sons and daughters of God. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who love God. Amen. You can't be a sinner saved by grace. You can't be currently a sinner and be living in the no condemnation. Because condemnation comes for those that are sinning. You can't be a sinner saved by You can't be currently, okay, I'm actively a sinner and God's grace is saving me on the day. No, no, no. It's I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Therefore, I, I'm, I'm living in that fellowship. I'm living in that family. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Therefore, no more degrading yourself. No more condemning yourself. Amen? Amen? Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. I'm going to just read verse, 3, verse 9 in the, in the mirror translation. But he says, that old life was a lie. Foreign to our design, those garments of disguise are now thoroughly stripped off us in our understanding of our union with Christ in his death and resurrection. Watch this. We are no longer obliged to live under the identity and rule of the roads we wore before. Neither are we cheating anyone through false pretenses. The garments and as uh, the garments an actor would wear define his part in the play, but cannot define him. You are not defined by the old life. You are not defined by the mistakes. Lindsay, I made a lot of them. That doesn't define you. What defines you is his resurrection is your resurrection, too. That's what defines you. Has Jesus been risen? Has Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father? Is Jesus the beloved of God? You are the beloved of God. 
I know this is basic, but understand this, this, this sets the pace for everything. If you believe that you are the beloved of God, then you will not fall for anything or anyone. Third, let me give you the third uh, reality we should be focusing on. And this is the hardest for me because it's something I have to continually work on, which is the end of self-effort. The end of self-effort. And if you're like me, this is something that you will wrestle with, too, but as the Lord was teaching about this to me yesterday or teaching me to this, teaching me about this yesterday. It was something that I kept wrestling with. And parts of me, and I've, I've told Kelsey as well, that I've never, I've never considered myself a religious person. But when it comes to the end of my self-effort, I'm like, oh, man, there's, there, there's, some, there's some, some waves of religion still within me. Because when it comes to saying, okay, the end of my self-effort, well, Lord... Don't, don't I have to do, don't I have to do, shouldn't I have to? I, we were taught what we have to do, what we need to do, what we bring to the table. But a lot of us have more faith in what we were taught about Jesus than faith in the real Jesus himself. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to, not going to, we're not going to sugarcoat anything. A lot of us have more faith in what we were taught about Jesus than who Jesus actually is. And that's what religion looks like, where we have so much faith in, okay, I grew up this way, this, this, born and raised, when Jesus is like, no, this is, this is who I am. And that was the problem when Jesus was on the earth. The Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes, they all had their own understanding of who they thought the Messiah was going to be when Jesus was like, no, I am is standing in front of you. We'll talk about it eventually, but one of my favorite, one of my favorite Jesus flets moments you can find it in the book of John when they go to, when Judas kisses him and they say, uh, are you, you know, are you Jesus or whatever? And Jesus says, I am. And the scripture says they fell over. I'm like, whoo, why did they fall over? Why? Because there's God in the flesh calling himself, I am. There's, there, yeah, there's power in that. And that was a flex moment. But the fact that, you know, the fact that we, we us not flexing in what we bring to the table, that has to stop. The end of self-effort, that should be something that we should be meditating on. We should be focusing on the daily. We said it last week, but uh, by religion and extreme devotion to traditions, those are yotes of bondage. Religion and extreme devotions, devotion to the traditions and the, the way we were brought up. And I've always known it this way. So-and-so did it this way. I'm a rock with it this way. That's called a yoke or bondage. And unfortunately, that's been a lot of our number one issue. We've been bound to the way we've always seen it done. We've been bound to the way it's always been done. Religion, AKA extreme devotion to a set of rules is the very thing that strengthens self-performance. Religion or extreme devotion to a set of rules and traditions, that's the gas for self-performance. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good, I kept the rules today. Ooh, look at me. Oh yeah. But the moment you mess up, oh, instantly we are shaming ourselves. Instantly we're throwing stones at ourselves. Understand the nation of Israel, I wrote this down. That's why the nation of Israel asks for rules on top of rules. Why? Because it's easier, watch this, it's easier to follow rules than it is to hear the voice. That's why the nation of Israel asks for rules on top of rules on top of rules. Why? Because it's easier to follow a standard of rules versus trusting in someone that you can't see. And that's why Jesus came, because he said, listen, these rules, they weren't meant for you to follow. They were meant to show you this true state of who you are and how you need to put your trust in me. And here I am representing Papa. 
It's easier to put our trust in rules. It's easier to put our trust in, okay, well, if I can read 20 chapters that I know, then I can run to the Father. When ultimately we should just be trusting in the heart of the Father and know that we can run to him in our times of trouble. We can run to him in our times of joy. We can run to him whenever we can run, we can walk, or we can just stand. Why? Because we are always in his presence. Why? Because we are in union with him. We are in union with him. So we should be focusing on, okay, am I ending my self-effort? Am I ending it or am I fueling it? Am I, am I focused on what I'm doing for the Lord or am I focused on, okay, Lord, what are you doing through me? What are you doing through me? See, you know, and this is one of the questions I asked the Lord yesterday because when he was teaching about the end of self-effort, I'm like, Lord, if, 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 if I let go of my self-effort, what's left? And you know what he said? He said, me. I'm like, what? See, if you let, if you let go of your self-effort, you know what's left, which is Jesus' effort. Why? Because Christ's resurrection. <laughs> you, see how it all, you see how it all points back? His resurrection is your resurrection too. If you can let go of your self-effort, if you can let go of focusing on, okay, well, if I could just do it this way, if I could just take this step, if I could just take this step, if I could just take this step. No, if you can just let go and just trust and say, okay, Lord, what step do I need to take? And then wait and listen. And when he says, take a step, then you're like, okay, I'm going to take that step. And then you got to wait again. That's the hard part. But that's what made David so great. Why? Because yes, he was anointed king, but then he went back to tending the sheep. Why? Because that was the last thing that he was instructed to do. Following Jesus looks like we're secure and taking one step at a time. And not overstepping, not stepping back, but taking one step and then, okay, I'm going to pitch my tent here until he tells me to move again. Until he tells me to move again. If you let go of your self-effort, you know what's left? Jesus' effort. The Father's effort through his Son and indwelling spirit. If you left go of self-effort, what's left is Jesus. Jesus is what's left. Resting and trusting in Jesus, that's what's left. You know, there was, and I'll end with this, this I heard this minister tell this story about how, you know, talking about the end of self-effort and how we need to quit putting so much stock in. Okay, what am I doing for God? What am I doing for God? Versus, am I trusting God? Lord, am I trusting you? Lindsay, I got, okay, with Holy Spirit, show me what's, allow me to not trust you. And then, okay, Lord, well, dispose of that. Remove that. But I heard this minister when he was talking about the end of self-effort, he began to tell the story about how this minister who lived this life, you know, did the, followed all the rules and got to heaven. And there's, and there's Peter standing at the gates and, you know, Peter greets him. He's like, oh, man, yes. And, uh, you know, he's like, oh, you know, uh, I see you here at the gate. Well, you know, what, what, what do you do? Um, you know what? Okay, well, uh, in order, you, you probably don't know who I am. Do you, do you know who I am? And Peter said, of course I know who you are. Okay, well, you know that I did da-da-da-da. You know, I, I was a minister at this, this one church for 30 years. And, oh, that's, that's great. Well, uh, okay. And the minister says, well, how much is that worth? He said, well, mm, he thinks it up. Ah, it's about three points. It's like three points. 
It's like, okay, well, uh, did, did you know I've, I, I worked in the soup kitchen? I volunteered in the soup kitchen week in, week out without, without missing a beat. Even, even raised my kids volunteering in the soup kitchen. We gave away, oh man, we gave cars away. To, and Peter's like, oh man, that's so good. That's so great. And the minister, how much is that worth? And he said, I think, okay, yeah, he tells it up. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's a solid five points. Five points. And the minister is, he's bewildered because he's like, oh man, like, Am I not going to be able to get in? Because like I've, I've listed some pretty good stuff and I'm only up to a total of eight points. And then coming behind him walks in this hippie. Long haired, don't care, flip flops, just walks through heaven. And he dabs it up with Peter, Peter, dabs it up. He's like, all right, man, you go on through. And the guy was like, the minister was like, there is no way that he has more points than me. And Peter said, you're right. He just refuses to play this game. Peter says he just refuses to play this self-effort game because he has this understanding of his performance is not what gets him in this. He understands that Jesus's resurrection is his resurrection too. He understands that Jesus's relationship with the Father is his relationship too. He understands that as Jesus makes the darkness tremble, the darkness, the anxiety, the insecurity, they have no power on you. Your past is your past. It stays there if you choose to keep it there. You choose what you dwell on. You choose what comes into your mind and, and lives there rent-free or it's going to have to pay rent. You choose what comes into you. Yeah, life is going to be life. Things are always going to happen. But your response to that, you, that's up to you. What life does, the fact that if you're going to allow it to enter into your heart and dwell there and live there, that's up to you. Why is it up to you? Because who the Son has set free is free indeed. Indeed. Not partially, not supplementally. No, free indeed. Indeed. Somebody say indeed. We should be focusing on these heavenly realities because if we can focus on these heavenly realities, you will not fall for a thing. If you focus on these heavenly realities, then guess what? In times of trouble, in times of trouble, you'll see the truth for who it truly is, for what it truly is. Why? Because understand this. We read it, we read it earlier, but in Colossians 3.2, in the mirror, it says, worrying about <clears throat> keeping all the rules will make you hyper-focus on your self-effort, which will remind you how broken you truly are. Or... We can focus on Colossians 3.1, which says, you can see yourselves co-raised with Christ. Co-raised with Christ. See, my self-effort, it allows me to realize, man, I, I, miss, I miss it all the time. If I'm focused, let me just take parenting, for example. If I focus on my self-effort when it comes to parenting, I realize the standard that I've set for myself, I, I fall short every day. Or watch this, I can focus on the blessing of being a father and how I didn't earn it but still God gave it to me therefore oh man Lord I'm playing with house money <laughs> Lord I didn't earn this you gave it to me I'm playing with house money I can't lose I can't lose and when and if I take that mindset into parent then then when the kids come to me I'm like oh snap let's have fun why because you are a blessing to me. I didn't, I didn't deserve you. I didn't earn, there was nothing that daddy did to earn you into my life. It's because of God's goodness. 
James says that all good and perfect things come from the Father. Why do you say that? Because that's who God is. All good and perfect things come from the Father. Well, Lindsay, sometimes the kids stress or sometimes work stress or sometimes, you know, when I look at the news, it's stressful to see the state that we live in. Yes, those things are true. But still, Paul understood that. And he told the church in, Col- uh, in, the, in the book of Colossians, he told them, said, listen, life is going to be life. Still, you have to focus on the heavenly realities. One translation says, think on the things above, not on the things on the earth. Think on the things above and allow what we see in the realm above to be how we see in this earth. So therefore, okay, Lord, you forgive all. You, for, you have forgiven all. So therefore, when I run into that person that I struggle to forgive, if I'm looking at you, if I'm looking in that heavenly reality, okay, I'm going to forgive them as well. Okay, what, 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 I make this a challenge for you. What, Lord, what exists in heaven? What's the realities in heaven? Well, the Lord doesn't stress. Last time I checked, the Father's not sitting up in heaven sweating. Like, oh man, them prayers, they got, they got, they almost got us with those prayers, Michael. Woo, that was one we almost thought we couldn't fulfill. No, he doesn't sweat, he doesn't stress. So if that's a reality in heaven, that needs to be reality in your life. Where you're not stressing, you're trusting. You're not stressing, you're trusting. You're not stressing, you're trusting. Another one the Lord hit me with when I was working. There's no covetousness in heaven. You know, people aren't, a, the, you know, everybody that's made it to heaven, they're not looking at, oh man, there goes Paul. I didn't live a life like Paul, no. Just like that one dude that rolled up in heaven, he refuses to play the game of self-effort. He refuses to play a game of covetousness. So therefore, I should be able to look at other people and not covet. Like, oh man, I don't have a vehicle like theirs. Oh man, I don't have a house like theirs. Oh man, I don't have a job like theirs. I don't have, I don't have kids like that. I don't, no, no, no. Why? Because in heaven, everyone is happy that their performance is not what God took to the table. It was the performance of Jesus. That's the reality of heaven. Jesus's performance is more than good enough for you. More than good enough for you. Focus on the heavenly realities. Amen.